Welcome to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in their lives. And it's a place where your questions about faith and religion can be answered. And now, here's your host, Deacon Al. Good evening, and thank you, John, and welcome to Good News here on Catholic Spirit Radio. I am Deacon Al. I'm a permanent deacon of the Peoria Diocese. I hope to remain permanent deacon of the Peoria Diocese, uh, serving parishes here in Bloomington Normal, and uh, speaking to you over Catholic Spirit Radio to multiple dioceses now. We're just growing hand over fist here. It's uh, what a wonderful ministry, and and God has been good to us and uh, and helped us grow uh, very, very quickly. Still waiting for the, for the antenna to go up in Rockford. I see it sitting in our hallway as I come in today. But I know the paperwork is done. The FCC says, go ahead and do it. And we're just waiting now for the, uh, for the engineer to get free to be able to climb that tower and, uh, and mount the antenna. And we will be broadcasting to Rockford and to the diocese up there and soon uh, to the south. So we're, we're growing pretty quick. And, and we thank you for all your help uh, in getting us there through your kindness, your donations. But most of all, through your prayers. Thank you for praying for the Ministry of Catholic Spirit Radio. Uh, we feel your prayers, and it, it makes a huge difference in what we do. Good News is a program that runs for 30 minutes, Saturday and Sunday evenings. Uh, and we we talk about the good news. We talk about the gospel and the readings that are presented at the Catholic Mass uh, each weekend. And we delve into what they mean to us in today's life. And boy, the readings, as always, the, uh, this weekend, have a lot to tell us. This is the, the uh, Transfiguration of the Lord, uh, a great event that that happened that solidified uh, the role of Christ on earth with uh, his uh, his favored apostles. And we'll talk about what that means to us. It starts with a, a reading from the prophet uh, Daniel, and it answers one of the most common questions uh, I've gotten as as an apologist: is why do they refer to Jesus as the Son of Man if he's the Son of God? And it's a great question. But that question is actually answered not in the New Testament, it's answered in the Old Testament in the, in, uh, by Daniel and in this specific reading uh, that we'll be sharing in our Masses this weekend. So I uh, want to touch base on, on a few things, and that's yard work. We're going to wake away from the garden and talk about the yard. The weather lately has been either really, really nice or really, really hot. We had Our, our parish had a picnic last Friday which was meant to be outdoors in a beautiful garden area that we've got. And uh, it got very quickly moved. I think Thursday night, the word went out that it was going to move inside into our new remodeled basement that has great air conditioning because I, I, it was going to be 99 Friday. By the evening, when we were going to have our picnic in the evening, it was still going to be 99 degrees. And that's without considering the humidity. So I think that the, the index, the comfort index was like 105, 107. So we moved that down in, into the lower level of the church and had over 200 people come. Yeah, it was a great attendance. But we asked them, if we hadn't moved this indoors, how many of you would still have come? Raise your hand. About 20 people. And most of them were on the hospitality committee. <laughs> so the, the staff would have been there, but I don't think anybody else would have because it was just so hot. So you ask uh, Deacon Al, how hot was it? My son lives in Las Vegas, uh, and my son and his wife. And Friday, it was 116 degrees. 
Now, they don't get to boast about humidity because they have no humidity. So what they say is, well, it's a dry heat. My oven's a dry heat. And yet the pizza cooks, right? 116 degrees. So he has a pool in his backyard, um, unheated, just a, just a little, you know, like a 40-inch deep above ground. 98 degrees in the pool at 8 o'clock at night. So he couldn't even take a little refreshing dip in the pool after work because it was 98 degrees. It makes you hotter getting into the pool uh, than anything else. So uh, that's hot. That's not even the record temperature. I mean, that's a couple degrees below their record. So, uh, yeah, it's been a hot one. So a lot of yards in our neighborhood are turning brown. Mine is tannish, tannish. And that's because I have gardens. So I don't mind if the grass goes dormant. I can live with a brown yard because once it rains, once fall comes, we have a few good rains, the grass comes back, right? It's just laying dormant. It's not dead. It looks horrible, but it's not dead. But I have to keep my gardens alive. So I water the gardens. Well, there's always overspray. So the grass within like a three-foot apron around the garden grows. So you have to mow that. Well, if you mow that and you don't mow the rest of the tan stuff, it looks kind of weird. So I mow the whole yard and I do it not so much for the good of the yard. I do it for me. I need the steps. You know, I'm trying to get in 10,000 steps a day. I do, if I mow my yard, that's four or 5,000 steps right there. So I do it more for my good than for the good of my yard. And so because of that, I kind of mow every like four days, whether it needs it or not, just so I can get the walk in. Well, the, the, the area... I know, John thinks, how can you do that? The area by the garden is green and it's growing. And my backyard, part of my garden in the backyard is, it's a good know, 140 feet long of a, of, a, of a berm. And the garden's up on the berm. So when I water the garden, the water comes down. So the whole backyard is green. The backyard's like a jungle every two or three days. I mean, I can't keep up with the growth of the grass in the backyard. So I, I mow, like I say, once, I don't know, every four or five days because of the front yard. Keep that. So today I not only mow, I edged. Oh. So you get out, you know, power edger and you go around the edge. So why do you edge? Well, the yard gets kind of hairy, kind of fringy, you know, kind of, kind of moppy on the outside. I like, I like my lawns neat, right? I, I, I like them. I like them well well cut, well crisp, and and not kind of motley on the edges. So why do I bring that up? Well, I bring that up for, for a good religious reason. We sometimes with our faith get a little, a little motley around the edges. You know, we get a little sloppy. We're good at the core. We're good in the center, the part that gets watered all the time. But there's, there's the, these edges, the, the this border parts of our faith where we, we tend not to take such good care of them and they get a little sloppy. We can, we have programs for that. So I, w- I want to plug a couple of programs that we have coming up. One is called RCIA, Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults. And if, if you're not uh, active in the Catholic Church, you hear RCIA and you say, oh, that's where you're, where you go to get converted. No, no, let's put that to rest. So, Yes, I guess you could say it is a pathway to conversion. If you're looking to join the Catholic Church, often you will be directed to enroll in RCIA, Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults. 
But that's not what it's primarily for. A lot of us adults, we stopped getting catechesis as teenagers. Maybe we hung in through high school. More than likely, you left your catechism at eighth grade. You got confirmed. You stopped coming. You know, I was that way. I mean, when I became a freshman in high school, my my folks gave me the, the the choices. They gave all my brothers. You can continue. They have some teen events, or you can stop going. I stopped going. <laughs> okay, if I've got a choice, I, I mean, if I had the choice, I would have stopped <laughs> a lot of Wednesdays ago, right? So, uh, so that's true of a lot of us. We, you know, it wasn't that fascinating uh, when I was in when I was in catechism. Uh, it was Jesus loves you. Color this picture of of Noah's Ark. Jesus loves you. Color this picture of the nativity. It wasn't what I would call real brain food, you know. And it and and honestly didn't didn't feed my soul a lot either. Uh, my parents went through a completely different kind of religious education, so it changed after Vatican II, and it didn't necessarily change for the better got less rigid and by getting less rigid it got a lot sloppier lazier it just it got kind of lazy it really did i think we need to admit that we're we're turning that around we've made real efforts in in the church the last few years to put a little more meat on the bone um i've tried i certainly tried to do that with with my confirmation classes but for a lot of us we've we've gotten pretty sloppy at the edges and so RCIA, Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults, which begins this year in August, normally it begins in September, and it concludes at Easter time. Well, Easter in 2024 comes very early, uh, very early spring. And so because of that, there, John's looking it up on the calendar now to see I'm right. Uh, and so now in most, most of the uh, parishes in town are starting their RCIA in August so that you can get all the necessary knowledge in before Easter time. So why do I say this, is, this isn't just for uh, folks looking for conversion? A lot of times in today's world, uh, marriages are, have within them a Protestant spouse and a Catholic spouse. So it's a mixed marriage. And a lot of times the children are being raised in the Catholic faith. Well, if you're the Protestant parent trying to raise a child who's being raised in the Catholic faith, how do you participate in that? How do you get to be part of that if you don't know the Catholic faith that they're being raised in? Because there's a lot of misinformation in the Protestant world about Catholicism. We have a lot more in common than, than we often get credit for from our Protestant brothers and sisters. And they, they have a lot of good things in their religion that a lot of Catholics don't give them credit for either. So it, it flows both ways. But if you're a Protestant trying to raise a Catholic child, or if you're a Protestant living with a Catholic spouse who's, who is trying to stay connected to their faith, how can you be part of that without the knowledge of what the Catholic faith actually teaches? You can't share what you don't have. And so RCIA is a great way to fill that gap, to find out how you can be a more participatory spouse or a participatory parent to a Catholic spouse or a Catholic child, 
by at least learning what the Catholic Church truly teaches. And it doesn't mean turning away from your own faith. It just means expanding your knowledge base of what Christianity teaches in in its various forms. So if you are in that situation where you are in a mixed family of Protestant and Catholics, uh, it would be good for you to attend RCIA and learn more about the teachings, the doctrines, uh, that's what the teachings are, what the doctrines and the, the dogmatic teachings of the Catholic Church actually are compared to what you've been told they are. Or if you're a Catholic who's been away from the faith for a long time, and maybe you're just kind of feeling left out during some of the Masses where you're not really sure why we do what we do or why we say what we say or why we teach what we teach, RCIA is a great way to fill in that those knowledge gaps so that you can truly be an informed Catholic. Uh, because if you're not an informed Catholic, how can you possibly be the evangelist that Christ calls us all to be? Uh, without the knowledge of the faith, how can you share that with someone else? So if, if you're looking to fill in those gaps, uh, I highly recommend you call your local parish and ask about RCIA. Uh, oftentimes there's absolutely no cost to it. Sometimes there's a book or two. They go with it, so there might be a small cost. But most parishes, uh, there, there's very, there's no or very little cost to the program. It normally lasts about eight to nine months. Uh, it normally meets weekly for about ninety minutes to two hours. Uh, most parishes meet Thursday nights. Not all of them, but most of them meet on a Thursday night. Uh, check with your local parish to see what it is. I know in our parishes, it's it's Thursday evening uh, from six thirty to eight, I believe it is, or six thirty to eight thirty. And they cover an awful lot of ground in in those eight months. So I encourage you to do that. The other program I want to remind you about is um, Curcio, C-U-R-S-I-L-L-O, Curcio. It's a Spanish word that means short course. Curcio is a a 72-hour course in Christianity. Uh, Here at Bloomington Normal, it's held at Holy Trinity Church. It is one of the few Curcios in the country. We're one of like two dioceses in the country that allow this program to be open to all Christian denominations. So although it does have a Catholic flavor to it, it truly is a weekend to learn about the Holy Spirit in your life. It's, we, we teach truths that are truths in all Christian religions, uh, and, and it, it meets the teachings of all Christian faiths that I, that I know of, all the mainstream Christian faiths. And we do a wonderful job of having a very mixed uh, participation in it, we, we have almost every course, we have people from uh, Grace and Vail and uh, Second Press and Trinity Lutheran and St. John's Lutheran. Uh, so it, it really is a very mixed bag of Christians. We have a wonderful time. We feed you like royalty. We entertain you and we give you uh, 15 uh, short informational presentations on uh, Christianity uh, and how to be active Christians in your life. And I think you'll find it very rewarding. Uh, it's a very low cost. Considering we put you up in a hotel for three nights and feed you like royalty, it's $110. I mean, that's a very inexpensive, I hate to call it a retreat because it's not really a retreat, but it's kind of, sort of. Uh, so $110 for three nights in a hotel and entertainment and food and uh, terrific speakers. Uh, it really is uh, quite a bargain. So if you're interested... Uh, you can contact me here at Catholic Spirit Radio 
at goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. And let me know that you're interested in Curcio, and I would be glad uh, to get back in touch with you with uh, more information and an application form. Our next course is a men's course, and it's coming up the second weekend of September. So it runs Thursday through Sunday, that second week of September. So I think that starts the 7th, 7th through the 10th. Does that sound right? I think it's 7th through the 10th of September. Um, And then there's a women's course coming up the second week of September. November. So please uh, give some prayerful thought to participating in RCIA and or Curcio to help uh, smooth out those rough edges. All right, we're going to uh, go into our readings from the Mass. It is the uh, Transfiguration of the Lord this weekend, and so we'll have readings from the prophet Daniel, uh, from Matthew, and from uh, Paul. uh, I'm sorry, from Peter, from St. Peter. So we'll come back to those readings. You're listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio. I am Deacon Al. And I just want to let you know, if you have a question about Catholicism or Christianity in general, could be things you want to know, things you think you know, things you disagree with, things you agree with, uh, you can write to me at goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com, and we will be happy to address your questions on the air. Uh, A very frequently asked question is about the term Son of Man. Why is Jesus called the Son of Man if he's the Son of God? Why not just call him Son of God? Well, that question is is answered in in today's readings and and also uh, displayed in front of the apostles. So let's get to that. The first reading is from the uh, prophet Daniel. So in the Mass, we always have three. In Sunday Masses, we always have three readings. Our weekday Masses are slightly different. But on Sunday Masses, we have three readings. One comes from the Old Testament. One comes from the New Testament. And the final one is the Gospel uh, from one of the four Gospels. And so our our first reading is uh, from the seventh uh, chapter of the book of Daniel. And it says, As I watched... This is a vision that Daniel's having, uh, telling us about. He says, As I watched, thrones were set up, and the Ancient One took his throne. His clothing was bright as snow, and the hair of his head white as wool. His throne was flames of fire and the wheels of a burning fire. A surging stream of fire flowed out from where he sat, and thousands upon thousands were ministering to him, and myriads upon myriads attending him. The court was convened, and the books were opened. As the visions during the night continued, I saw one like a son of man coming on the clouds of heaven. When he reached the ancient one and was presented before him, the one like a, the one like a son of man received dominion, glory, and kingship. All peoples, nations, and, language, and languages serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion and shall not be taken away. His kingship shall not be destroyed. The word of the Lord. So in, in Daniel's vision in the Old Testament, from, from the, uh, the sacred scriptures of, of the Jewish faith, we hear about uh, God, the ancient one, sitting on his throne, hair white as wool, white robes. Does that sound familiar? I mean, if you think about some of the artwork that you've seen, uh, this is where they get that image of God is, is from this reading. Uh, most artists portray God based on Daniel's uh, description. And he talks about coming before God is one who looks like who looks like the Son of Man, someone who has a human figure. 
So this is this is a, a heavenly vision, and it's someone who looks out of place from the rest of the the spirits in heaven. This person who has a human figure comes before God, and when he does that, he is he is raised to a level uh, that no one else in heaven has been raised to, where God gives him entire dominion, lordship over everything, glory and kingship. So in other words. Uh, Jesus shares, this is Jesus coming before God, the, the, the Son of God, the Son of Man, is being given everything that God has. They are co-equals. Okay, so everything God has, uh, Jesus has. And that this is an everlasting dominion. This can never be taken away. And so God makes it a point for everyone to see that this is his Son. It's actually part of God. They're they're consubstantial. They're made of the same stuff. This is the word of God. This is part of the mystery of the, of the Trinity, but is given the full dominion, the full power of, of God. So when we talk about Jesus being the only begotten son, only begotten, or the begotten son, the firstborn, let me change that, the firstborn of, of God. Firstborn was a legal description of the person who inherits everything from the father. So Jesus is the firstborn because he inherits all of all of God's authority. So then in in the letter to St. Peter, we have we we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we what we made known to you, the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we had been eyewitnesses of his majesty. And we're going to learn about that in the final reading in in the homily. I'm sorry, in the gospel. For he received honor and glory from God the Father. So he's referring to what happened. Uh, in in the vision from from Daniel, when that unique declaration came to him from the majestic glory. And now he's going to refer back to the transfiguration that we'll hear in a moment. This is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. So he's saying this person who looks like the son of man is, is God's son. We ourselves heard this voice come from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. Moreover, we possess the prophetic message that is altogether reliable. You will do well to be attentive to it as to a lamp shining in a dark place until day dawns and the morning sun rises in your hearts. So this is Peter giving testimony to what he witnessed in what we'll hear about in, in the gospel in the transfiguration. So God claims him to be his son who before the throngs of heaven gives him the authority that, that he had as as Christ, as the Messiah. Then he reveals himself on Horeb uh, in, in our gospel today. And then following that, uh, Peter is using that to profess uh, Christ's divinity to uh, the world as he evangelizes. So now we, we jump to the gospel, and it's from Matthew. Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them, his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, conversing with him. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud cast a shadow over them. And from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell prostrate and were very much afraid. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise, do not be afraid. 
And when the disciples raised their eyes, they saw no one else but Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, Do not tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Can you just imagine putting yourself there on on Mount Horeb, being uh, selected out of the group of 12, to be one of three selected out of that, to go up the mountain with with Jesus just expecting this is just going to be a solemn time of prayer. They've done this before. They've gone off to pray with, with Jesus before. But now this is different. It's not surrounded by the 12. He separates the three and says uh, very specifically, you come with me, something special. You get the feeling something special is about to happen. And once they get to the mountain and begin to pray, uh, Jesus changes. He changes from the, the figure they're used to seeing as a, as a mortal son of man, and now he becomes the divine son of man, as, as David prophesies, someone who is like the Son of Man, but is in fact the Son of God. So whenever you hear the phrase Son of Man in the New Testament, what they're doing is uh, the writers are referring back to the Old Testament, uh, attesting to Christ's uh, kingship, uh, to his uh, direct authority uh, given him as as the Son of God. But imagine now being one of those three apostles. I mean, how how incredible that must have been. What an incredible sight for these simple fishermen uh, to have seen. And it is any wonder they're, they're kind of lost for words. And so Peter's first thought is, um, well, as long as you're here, you probably need a place to stay. Let us, let us build you shelter so that you can stay here together visiting on the mountain. But the, the, the whole purpose of, of, of the transfiguration isn't to stay on the mountain. It's to go to the valley and spread the word to others when, when the time was right. When, when the time is right in your life for you to realize who Christ is, you'll know it's going to be revealed to you. It, it, it won't be something you just stumble into. Uh, it will be maybe not identical to what uh, Peter and, and John and James experienced, but it will be, it will be a, a, a real cornerstone of your life. It will be a real foundation uh, to the rest of your life once you realize who Christ is. And when, when you do realize that, uh, you're going to want to share it with others. Uh, and that's what Christ wants. He doesn't want you to stay in isolation with him up on some mountaintop. Uh, he wants you to go back and spread this word and tell people what you've experienced and, and what you have, what has entered into your life now. So be transfigured by Christ. Uh, be absorbed by his divinity, and then share that uh, that vigor, that excitement with others. Uh, and, and let Mass be your mountain. Let that be the place where you come to witness and experience the glory of Christ. That's uh, all the time we have for good news, and maybe even a couple minutes more than we had time for, but John will make his magic happen, and, and we'll fit it in. But uh, it's, it's always a, a pleasure and an honor to speak to you on Catholic Spirit Radio, and I hope you'll join us next week, uh, same time here on uh, Catholic Spirit Radio, on whatever your frequency is on your dial, because we have like five different frequencies, uh, depending on the area you're listening at. But uh, it's a pleasure to have you here in our audience. May Almighty God bless you, protect you from all evil, and bring you to everlasting life.
Good night. You've been listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in your life. Submit your questions to Deacon Al at goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. That's goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. Deacon will answer your questions about faith and religion. Thank you for listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio.